This week on a lively experiment, a police panel says a Providence officer who hit someone at a protest should be allowed to keep his job. And the mayor of Providence says a proposed increase in residential taxes is long overdue. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on the panel, former state representative Doreen Costa, political contributor Rob Horowitz, and Angel Tavares, attorney and former mayor of Providence. And welcome to A Lively Experiment. I'm Jim Hummel. We have a raft of local issues to get to this week. But first, President Biden made official what he had been hinting at for weeks, that he's running for re-election. The president, who would be 82 if he is sworn in again in 2025, brushed off concerns about his age, but it's likely to be a primary focus over the next year and a half leading up to Election Day. Um, Rob, let me begin with you. He kind of went straight at it. I also think not only the age, but the fact that he's keeping Kamala Harris as a running mate is going to, I think some people would feel better if he had a stronger vice president. I think that's fair to say. On the other hand, I think he is very well positioned for re-election. Um, his, his, his approvals in the mid-40s, that's not great. But if, if you look at the if you look at his record and if, look at what's going to happen in the next year and a half, and then most importantly, and his record is outstanding. On uh, during degrees, I can tell. <laughs> Let's get the two shot. Uh, during degrees, we're, we're already going to start. But if you look at infrastructure, if if you look at um, incentives to move the renewable energy, which we need to do, despite the fact that Republicans want to heat up the planet any way they can. Um, and if you look at the economy, um, although people don't feel it yet, you've got, you've got record um, low unemployment. Um, and then you have to, as, as he says, and as famously Mayor, Mayor Kevin White of Inaria, uh, Boston, said, um, consider the alternatives. Um, Donald Trump's the front runner. He is, he is markedly unpopular, um, remains more unpopular. Um, Ron DeSantis, who I think is a formidable contender to Donald Trump, just passed a six-week abortion ban in Florida. So I, so I think the president's, it's going to be comp very competitive, but the president's pretty well positioned. He is going to have to directly address the age thing because all these numbers about um, people don't want him to run, that's, that really relates to his age. Yeah. So, so that, that is, that's, it's not even the elephant in the room, but, but it's, 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 it is a major issue. But I think through his performance, he can do that. Dory? Well, people talk about the age with the president. I don't think age would be such a factor if you were healthy. I mean, it's obvious he is not healthy. He has uh, memory issues. He can barely walk. He's shaking hands to air when he's, wherever he's doing an event, and the few events he does. He doesn't hold a press conference. He held his first press conference the other day, and he had the questions handed to him. So he knew they were on the reporter to call. That's not, that's not being, that's not how a president should be. Though he is very weak, and as far as um, Kamala, or Kamala Harris, he put her on the ticket because she, her low approval rating is only a tiny bit lower than him. So they're both in the 40s and people like her and like him. So he figured he'd stick to the ticket. But I'm extremely surprised and, and I don't wish ill on anybody. I'm surprised he's made it this long and he's not going to make it another before, four years. Before I get to Angel, on the Republican side, mm -hmm. you obviously were honorary co-chairman for was, Trump yeah. in 20. As you go forward, what are you looking at now? I will support whoever the nom nominee is. However, 
I do think we need new blood on both sides. And you've said that. You and said I have that, said that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to go out and, you know, go, you know, vote for Trump. Vote for Trump. He's all I have. He's not all. He's not all that we have. Okay. He, he, so I mean, we've got to keep the options open. Angel, what do you think? Well, uh, a couple of things. First, I would say um, I think Vice President Harris has been a good vice president. If you recall, think about some of the other vice presidents we've had, including Mike Pence, who I remember being at a meeting and the president took down his water bottle and Mike Pence put it on the floor as well. Um, Al Gore's job was to run a couple of paces behind Bill Clinton to make sure that he didn't look bad. Um, I think that uh, her... People have focused on her a little bit differently because she's the first woman. She's also the first person of color to hold the position. Um, so I think that she's uh, great experience, great background, and has been a very good vice president supporting the president. Um, and also Ron Klain said that the other day. But I also think he's put her in a box a little mm -hmm. bit. She could do more, and I think that's a reflection well, of where I, the president I don't know wants that, her to I don't do. Know, I don't know that I would have put her in charge of immigration or uh, you know the, uh, the, uh, the border. I think that's definitely a tough task for whoever has it. That's the first thing. But respect to President Biden, I think he's going to be one of the, the most consequential presidents, um, certainly in my lifetime, when you think about what he's done in this time period. And I think what people are going to look at um, come next year is how they are doing. Um, how the economy is doing, is inflation under control, do we feel safer as a country, um, and are we heading in the right direction? If people feel that way, that I think we'll be in a good position. Um, but I also agree with Rob that also the alternatives um, make a big difference as well. I'm sorry, Mayor, you know I respect you, but you people are not doing better. You tell that to the families that are going to the grocery store and get two bags of groceries for $100. Gas is going to hit $4 a gallon by this summer. He is not doing good for this country. I'm sorry, do you feel safe? We have so many people coming over the border illegally right now. Millions, I mean, we're talking over 1.6 billion. He put Harris in charge of it. She hasn't been there once. And have you ever heard her speak? It's like, you don't even know where she's going. She's talking about, oh, the yellow bus. Oh, we have a really nice yellow bus. Oh, that's a yellow bus. She, they are the most incompetent people I've ever seen run in this country. Final word? Yes, I mean, um, two things. First of all, um, that, that, that story is it's classic. It's not you, Doreen, it's classic sort of right-wing media echo chamber. Uh, Turned yeah. out that they weren't given, that, just in terms of the reporter's story, Turns out he wasn't given the question in advance. It was it was a typical thing which I've written for tons of candidates that had that that were just sort of suggested answers to possible questions. So that's already been debunked. No, two is yes, it has. But but two is the um, if you look at President Biden, look at what the skillful job he's doing abroad. He's put our alliances back together. He's perf he's performing very well. There is a perceptual issue. He's going to have to address it. But even Kevin McCarthy said, in terms of his intelligence and, and the way he's operating, who's been in meetings with him, it's still very acute. He's still very on top of things. There is a perception issue, and, and, and he is going to be, you know, he's 80, he's going to be 82. That's going to be a piece of the puzzle. And we're going to see it during the debates, if, yes. if and when that comes. Yes. And I just want to say, listen, uh, and I, my good friend Doreen, <laughs> I'm not going to worry about Kamala Harris until she starts tweeting Kofafe in the middle of the night. Okay? So let's, let's not talk about that uh, when, we, when we've seen some of the other things that have happened. All right. This week, a uh, Providence police officer was involved in a uh, high-profile uh, protest, and he was charged eventually with assault for hitting somebody last year. He got his job back, even though the former administration under uh, Chief Hugh Clements and Commissioner Steve Perry wanted him fired. This all brings back the Policeman's Bill of Rights. Uh, a board basically said that he should get a 10-day suspension rather than be fired. And so this, Doreen, it goes back to the State House now because they've been talking about reforming the Policeman mm -hmm. Bill of Rights for probably 50 years. Right. This is the first serious thing. And I wonder if John Lugo's case 
puts this on, like Uvalde did last year with mm -hmm. guns, to be quite honest. Right. This is right toward the end of the session. Does something get done on reform this year? Um, if it does, it's going to be right at the last day of the session, two minutes before, you know, they're adjourned because that's when stuff like this happens. I have watched that video of the, the officer, so they say assaulting the, the woman, the person that was running for office. I saw him as doing his job. That's the way I saw it. And I tried to find, I tried to find the other side in it. Oh, he should have been suspended. I didn't see that. And I'm not saying it because he was a Republican candidate. I'm just talking about what I've seen. He went in front of his peers, a three panel committee, and they did not let him go. Suspension, okay, he got a 10 day suspension, whatever. I think he was doing his job. And I appreciate any officer that would protect us no matter where they are. So I don't know what's gonna happen. And he was also acquitted in the, in the criminal mm -hmm. charge. What, what, how that bears on the policeman's bill of rights, I'm not sure. But Yeah, let, let me just say, I'm not going to comment directly on the case because I don't know all the evidence and I haven't seen the video. I have read about it, obviously. But I want to say about the bill of rights, the uh, law enforcement officer's bill of rights. It shouldn't be reformed, it should be repealed. And let me explain why I say that. Um, they should absolutely have due process. And that due process is grieving, uh, filing a grievance and going to arbitration and being disciplined just like anyone else. The idea that you have to have three officers, one picked by the city, one picked by um, the uh, the officer and one picked by uh, kind of independent. The neutral is a roll of a dice. Too, right. So, so, and I can tell you um, two things. One is when we recruit police officers, they have to go undergo a psychological evaluation. Okay. That, that's part of the process. You actually have to sit down with someone and do that. Uh, yet, when we're disciplining and making decisions on that, we're going to take their peers to make that decision. They should have due process, and that due process is in the grievance procedure. The other thing I can tell you, as someone who's actually uh, been uh, in that office and dealt with Commissioner Perry, is that the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights absolutely has a, an impact on how you decide to proceed. Um, and it's not typically a positive impact. It's more of a concern. And I know that from dealing directly with Commissioner Perry in over four years and, and dealing with the police department. Meaning that the per it's a long process and you're getting paid while it's happening too, well, and you don't have the person on the job. It, you, you don't have the person on the job, but more importantly that you want to, you need to make sure that they will in fact uphold your decision. Um, so that's something else that you're uh, you're trying to figure out and make sure to, to do. And I don't understand why you cannot have a grievance procedure like you have for all other uh, union employees. Make sure they have their due process. Make sure they have a chance to be heard. And so, you know, it's not something I focused on while I was mayor. I had some other priorities I had to focus on, um, but I certainly believe it's not time for a reform, it's time for a repeal. I agree with Angel. I, I think you should repeal it. That I think the politics of that are obviously very tricky. Um, you have to give police chiefs and mayors the ability to, to be leaders. And, and, and generally speaking, and again, I don't want to get into the specific circumstances either. I hear what Doreen's saying, but gen, generally speaking, police, a police, um, being a police chief is hard. They, they have to be able to manage one of their departments, and that means enforcing discipline. And you have to be able to get rid of the few bad apples who give the rest of the police a bad name and, and really poison police community relations. And look, there's, people are going to make mistakes either way, but, but, but I think you do. And we are the only New England state, by the way, that has a police officer's bill of rights. At a minimum, we should, we, we should reform it so that, that at least the panel that decides these things isn't so tilted Towards, towards sort of um, the officer's side in, in almost every case, because the arbitrator, the, the, the neutral party usually does tilt towards the police officer, like any kind of arbitration proceeding. Um, 
I don't think anything's going to happen this year. I don't know that this, if, if, if all that national sort of driven stuff didn't, didn't change this, I don't know if this one case is going to change it. I hope something happens at the State House, but I, I, I'm, I'm highly doubtful. It's so I think it's pretty clear repeal's not going to happen. But to give a police chief, I mean, all you can do is two days. And they've talked about one of the potentials is either um, enlarging the panel, being able to talk about it more with the media because it's shrouded in secrecy. But Doreen, how would you feel about if a chief could give 10 or 14 day suspension? I wouldn't have a problem with that okay. at all because the chief is the org is the leader of the community. He's a leader of the police officers. They're all underneath him. So if he feels that a police officer should be suspended for a couple of days or 10 days or two weeks, I think he should have the discretion. I do not have a problem with that. What I have a problem with was the media making the officer that apparently didn't assault that woman making him the villain when he was just trying to protect well, people. I think it was Well, I think it was clear from the video that he did, there was a punch, right. but what preceded exactly. it in terms of grabbing and, and reacting and all of that. they left all of that out. 100% they left all of that out because they want to vilify the police officers because that's what the left does. Um, so you don't think it's going to make it through this session? No, I don't, think, I don't think the reforms, which, which I support, although I, 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 agree, I agree with the mayor that, that, that the, the best thing would be to repeal, but I don't think the reforms are going to make it through. I, I hope I'm wrong, because okay. I do think it would make the situation better. Okay, Providence Mayor Brett Smiley marked his uh, first 100 days in office earlier this month quietly on Tuesday night, and he gave warning signs on this. He said that uh, there's going to be a little bit of a wake-up call. His predecessor had artificially kept... <laughs> you're looking already, Ebby. Not your predecessor, not his immediate <laughs> predecessor. Let's just go to Angel. So he was I had that in my head, and then I realized we got one of his predecessors here. Anyway, the bottom line is he is going to have a residential tax increase, the first one in 10 years, which kind of amazed me. Um, thoughts on that? No. No, <laughs> you can't talk about it. No, I, li no listen, um, I, I pretty much... Um, want to give the mayor, and I try to do that with his predecessor, his immediate predecessor, um, the ability to, to run the city. Um, I know it's hard to put together a budget. I remember our first budget, but I remember it for a different reason. Uh, we were in City Hall with Larry Mancini and Michael D'Amico uh, the night that President Obama announced that we had killed Osama bin Laden. Um, it was a Sunday night, as I recall. But, uh, but it's a tough job. Putting together a budget is a tough job. You have to make decisions, and you have to have foresight. So um, I wish the mayor all the uh, very, very best. You're a Providence resident? I am, and full disclosure, uh, Brett Smiley was a political client of mine. I did, did, was a consultant on his election. So yeah, you can take that under advisement from where I'm coming from. Um, I, I think year one, you have, you have to put... And, and, and the mayor, Angel, did a great job of getting the city back on a, a sound fiscal path, but you still have this big McGilla called, called the pension um, problem, which um, the mayor you know, did, did a very good thing about, but it's still there. If you look at the budget, you're talking about a 4% property tax increase. It needs to happen. It's only a 2% increase overall in spending. That's less than the rate of inflation, which isn't as high as, as, as Doreen kind of says, but still 4 or 5%. Um, so I think it's a, it's a sensible budget in, in terms of the commercial rate. Um, one is province has one of the highest commercial tax rates in, in the country. If you're going to have long-term fiscal stability in province, you got to bring in more business. So. So the slight cut in the commercial rate makes sense. It also 
I don't know that it's going to reduce rents, but at least it won't be a, a, an incentive to raise rents because you're raising it. So I think it's a sensible, sound first-year budget. And from a political perspective, obviously, if, you, if you're going to do a tax increase, this is the year to do it. First 100 days, what do you think, Doreen? Well, I think he's in way over his head, and I've said that since the day he got elected. Um, he's raised, you, you were talking about raising taxes. If you're going to raise taxes on people that own these buildings or rent to these, these renters, the rent's going to go up. He didn't, though. Yes, no. he, yes, he did. He no. he raised he raised the the taxes for. Did I read it wrong? Fourteen percent. No, no, yes. no, no, no. It was so. What he did was the residential rates going up, but the commercial rates going right, down. Right, but it's and still going up. But that applies to. But it's still going no, up. No, it's going down. It is not going down. Is, is there going to be a nineteen hundred dollar average cut in the commercial? Is, You're is, talking commercial. Down. I'm not talking commercial. Oh, right. I'm talking about 4%. the people. Right. The people that still have to live in Providence, the people that still have to pay their rents, the people that still can't leave without going by a hundred of those motorcycles going by them, or going through, can't walk on the sidewalks, and, and you're going to raise taxes. I, I, I just think, I don't think, I mean, I've met uh, Mayor Smiley personally. I've talked to him once. We're very cordial to each other. I don't like his politics. I don't like him as being mayor of Providence. I mean, you helped get him elected, and that's what, that's what you do. He's just, he's no experience. He's no, he has no experience. And one more thing, and, and I'll make this quick. When you, when you come in and you win a mayoral race in Providence, stop, and I've said this about presidential candidates, you always like, oh, this is what I came into. Oh, I came to a five-point hurricane. I hate that. You got elected. It was a category five hurricane. I don't even like when presidential candidates do that. You got elected to do a job. Do it. Don't blame the other people for the mess. How long should Fix they it. have, uh, oh. Angel, how long should an incumbent have that. to be able to talk about his predecessors? I, I mean, Six listen, months, I, tr four I months. try to focus. I always said that I knew that I'd be judged on what I did. Um, and I let others focus on, you know, how it happened, right? So, um, and that answer, the Category 5, was mm -hmm. actually in response to Alicia Pina asking mm -hmm. me a question. you got to admit, so, though, it was a Category uh, 5. But, that was the uh, best comment ever. But, yeah. but, uh, but, no, you have to focus on, you know, people focus on what you do and, mm -hmm. and um, how it impacts their lives, and particularly when you're a mayor, because a mayor, really, the actions you take, uh, cleaning streets, keeping people safe, you talk about uh, the, the police as well, uh, snow plowing, all of those things, that really impacts their life on a daily basis, so people focus on that, and that's what I try to focus on. Okay, a just a programming, last one? Yeah, just because, just first of all, Brett's got probably the most relevant experience of anyone who's um, so no ever been mayor, including being a Administration director for Gina Raimondo during, and, and handling the COVID crisis, being chief operating officer for the city. And the fact is, it's a modest 4%, not 14% tax Mine increase, and a commercial tax cut, which will relieve pressure, upward pressure on rent. So let's let's get the facts straight on it. You can disagree with him, but he is he's well qualified for the job, and, mm -hmm. and the test will be over four years, as 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 Angel said. And I wish you uh, the best. All right. Just a programming note coming up on this week on Rhode Island PBS Weekly. I interviewed the mayor about his first hundred days, taxes, budgets, and much more, including what he and his husband, first gentleman Jim Durentis, hope for the future of Providence. You can watch that this Sunday, April 30th at 7:30 right here on Rhode Island PBS. Uh, moving on, affordable housing. Uh, it's interesting that this is back at the State House. The Speaker has a raft of bills that would do various things, 
Um, Angel, let me start with you because a lot of this has to do with land use and city versus state. One of the bills being discussed there would relax zoning issues a little bit. And this is where the rubber is really going to hit the road. They want to make use of existing buildings to be able to get into them. Um, I think that's probably reasonable, but a lot of the localities are saying we should be able to determine our own zoning laws. So it's one of these. Well, I think it's an issue about whether how local you want uh, the control to be, and I think that we have to recognize we live in a very diverse state. I've had a chance now to live in uh, Providence and Gloucester and in Lincoln, and it's a big difference, and I think that uh, people from the different communities should have some input into what's going on because what a development that may fit right into Lincoln may not fit into Gloucester. A development that may fit right into Gloucester may not fit into, uh, into Providence. I mean, so um, I, I am worried about that, um, having a situation like that where you have the state basically dictate uh, what's going on. Um, and I think that I can understand why people locally uh, have some concern about it. Now, they, we can find ways to expedite it, to make it easier, to even maybe create standards that, um, that you know, you would use so that you try to have a one, one standard. Um, but I do worry about kind of stripping that control from uh, localities. You've been seeing it on both sides. You've been a state rep and a town council person. Mm -hmm. So as you watch this housing legislation go through, what do you think? I couldn't agree with him more. I mean, he said Common it perfectly. Common ground, he there said, we go. He, ground. he just said it perfectly. It should be left up to the cities and towns. It should be left up to the community. It should be left up to the council or the, the town manager. But people need to know what's coming into their community. And I, they, they just can't be left out. They and, and I mean, I love Gloucester and Lincoln. And he's right. You can't just put something in Gloucester and think it's going to work in Lincoln. Put something in Lincoln and think it's going to work in Cranston. I mean, you, you, spot on. I'm going to be the, the fly in the common ground ointment. I apologize. Um, I do think there, there does, there certainly needs to be a measure of local control, but, the, but we, we, we evidently need 24,000 more units, and, and in 2021, we build 1,000, according to the 1150, the report, yeah. yeah. Or something like that. And if you look at states that are, are making it work, there are some, some need for some statewide rules of the road to, to, to at least make it easier. I think the speaker's package gets at some of that around the edges, and we'll see if that works, but, 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 but local zoning is, is one of the problems here. I, and, I, and I do think you can't have a one-size-fits-all solution, but you can have some basic rules of the road that incentivizes development and incentivizes housing. And we've learned, I mean, $250 million sounds like a lot of money, but getting to, well, interest rates have gone up, um, building costs and all of that. So, and the Rhode Island Foundation did a report that Rob alluded to that said we need 24,000 units. We have 1,150. Mm -hmm. So, money. I know you would have loved to have a lot more money when you were in Providence, <laughs> but we're finding on the state level, money doesn't solve the problem always. Well, it, it's what you do with it, and um, you have to be able to execute. And you can have, I mean, you can have a great plan, right? But if you can't execute it. Um, the result is not going to be positive. So um, the execution piece is one that I think we can do better with. Um, and I applaud the speaker, um, uh, the new secretary prior, uh, the focus that everyone has on it because housing is so critical um, to our state and to our families. So I applaud that. But the execution uh, has to improve, no doubt. All right, let's get to uh, outrageous and or kudos. We have a few other things to get to. Doreen, let me begin with you, and let me let the audience know. Doreen's been with us a while. Doreen is heading for warmer climes. Yes. She's going to be a resident of the state of Florida, and this is your swan song on live. <laughs> so thank you for all the times oh, you have joined us. You. We wish you nothing but the best luck. Thank you, Jim.
And what do you have, an outrage or a kudo? I actually have a kudo. Um, my daughter, Gabrielle, congratulations, honey. You worked hard at this. She'll be graduating from New England Tech. Right. And I would have been in Florida sooner, <laughs> but I wanted to wait for her to graduate. Well, it's so, bad form um, not going to yeah, see your daughter. Yeah, so um, congratulations to Gabby. She's worked hard at it, and uh, I'm proud of her. That's great. Rob, what do you have? I have a very quick kudo, and then I have a, a very quick outreach, hopefully. <laughs> um, but you'll cut me off if it's too late. <laughs> I'll let you know. So my kudo is to Doreen, who who um, been on had the pleasure of being on Live Live for a while, and I watched at the State House, who... Who uh, and I, I think we we agree that the sun comes up in the morning. That's probably about it. Mm -hmm. But who who is always civil and always able to make her points in an articulate way and, and is able to disagree without being disagreeable and was a very constructive force as a legislator and as a town council person. My outrage is the boring yeah. subject of the debt limit, which is simply that we're going to 2011 2013 we actually um, had a little downgrade in in the full faith and credit of the United States in the, in the credit rating. And it looks like we're going to go down that same road with Republican brinkmanship on, on the debt limit. It's kabuki theater. Remember, we're paying a credit card bill we've already, um, we've already run up. It's not talking about future spending. That's, that's where we should have a big budget conversation, not, not around the debt limit that, that can really hurt our perception internationally and, and, hurt the, and hurt the full faith and credit of the United States. See, I didn't even cut you off. <laughs> yeah, right. Adrian, what do you have? Um, I don't know if that's a kudos. I want to recognize Mary Ellen Goodwin, who uh, passed away. Her funeral was a week ago. Was an exceptional, exceptional woman, great state senator, great person, funny, um, and uh, I'm going to miss her tremendously. I want to uh, do want to say one kudos related to that, though, and that is to the Senate Republicans. Uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Jessica De La Cruz and all the Senate Republicans signed on to a statement that was. Um, just so gracious classy. and uh, classy, gracious, honest. And um, I know that it may be a low bar, but remember we had a president not long ago who didn't want to lower the, the, the flag to half staff for an American hero because he didn't like him, right? Um, but that statement, uh, if people haven't seen it, I just thought was more of what we need in terms of um, civility. In, in government. We have just a couple of minutes left. We didn't touch on CD1. We've been talking on CD, and I know you guys haven't been on for a while. Rob, your kind of 30,000 foot view right now as to where that race is? It's, it's an amazing. We have 16 candidates, 16, I think, as of this morning. Could be more. 16 candidates, as little as 10 or 12,000 votes, could, could win the thing. Um, no one has an incentive to go negative on anybody else because there's 12 or 15. I, I don't have, I, I think if you look at the lieutenant governor, she's probably a slight favorite, Aaron Regenberg. People that start out with something or, or have big pots of money are going to be the favorites in this thing. Or, you know, Mayor Grebian, if he gets in and he can, he can do sort of a Dan McKee and put together the mayors in the Blackstone Valley, he, he could be formidable. It's, it's anybody's race. What's your snapshot view, Doreen? I think, I think he's 100% right. Wait a minute. Yes, I think it's, I think it's <laughs> going to be first. Aaron and Sabina. Those are going to be the two, the two contenders because I think they have the most name recognition out of all the candidates. This is such a compressed, we were talking about this off air, it's so compressed, what, four months until the primary, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What do you think? I, I agree. I agree with uh, both Rob and Doreen. I actually, I think uh, the Lieutenant Governor Matos, uh, uh, Aaron Regenberg are going to be right now from what I see um, the the two uh, candidates that are in the best position in my opinion because they've run statewide they mm -hmm. have statewide name recognition they've raised um, money um, they're raising good money and uh, in a crowded race like that um, you know we're talking about maybe 20 percent uh, turnout 
Um, so I think that they are going to be in the best position, but we're going to find out. 30 seconds. How many votes could win it, and how much money do you think they each need to raise to be competitive? I think as little as 10,000 votes could win it. You're probably looking wow. at 35, 40,000 votes, as little as 10. I don't know, um, and I think it depends on who you are. I'm sorry, but half a million, you know, you could even do it with less. With know, name recognition. With some name recognition you start with. Great. Okay, folks, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Rob and Doreen. Safe travels, and Mayor. Good to see you. Folks, come back here next week. Uh, We are in the heart of the legislative season, and it's moving very quickly. We will have all the analysis for you. Join us back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues. experiment is generously underwritten by hi i'm john hazenwhite jr for over 30 years a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face rhode islanders i'm a proud supporter of this great program and rhode island pbs